oh, my Bible's over here. <laughs> kind of need that when you're preaching from the Word of God, right? So we're going to be uh, continuing our study uh, on out of the wilderness. And in this, uh, in this study, we've been talking about wilderness experiences of some of God's people in Scripture, and we've gotten to see uh, people like Abraham, who was in the wilderness of waiting, people like Joseph from pit to palace when God trained him through his wilderness experience and brought him to, to help lead so that his people might be provided for uh, during a famine. Moses then led people, led people of Israel through the wilderness faithfully, even though he wasn't even able to enter into the promised land himself. And then Joshua was sort of in this wilderness of, but it wasn't my fault. And the idea is that he got to go into the promised land because he believed that God could take him there, but uh, the people said no. And so he had to wander in the wilderness with all the people for 40 years, and that really wasn't his fault. He didn't complain about it. He, again, was faithful to God through it, and that was Joshua. Then we talked about David as Saul pursued him uh, into the wilderness, and he had to run uh, away, and God provided for him and protected him during that time. And then this last week, we started our study in Elijah. And we're going to continue that study today. This is the second part of Elijah. And Elijah, just so that you can get a quick review on that, I'm going to give you that briefly here. Elijah was um, a prophet of God. So he was a prophet of God. And he lived during the reign of King Ahab over Israel. And uh, we talked about he was not a good king. And he had married uh, Jezebel. Boy, there's a name for you. you don't, want to be, don't name your kids Jezebel, please. <laughs> King Ahab married Jezebel. And Queen Jezebel uh, supported 850 prophets of Baal and the Ashtoreth uh, prophets as well. So Queen Jezebel attempted to kill all of the prophets of God. That, that was what she did. She attempted to kill them all. And then uh, we saw that Elijah, through all of this, was faithful. He was fearless, and he was willing to stand alone because God told him to go to King Ahab and tell him that there was going to be judgment on the land and on the people, and there was going to be a drought. And so there was. There was a drought. But even during that drought, even during that difficult time, um, God, again, protected, provided, and proved faithful to Elijah. He protected he provided, and he proved faithful. And this is something consistent that we see all through our study, that all through the different characters that we've looked at, we've seen God's hand of provision, God's hand of protection, and the fact that God always proves faithful. Let's pray right now before we get into the next portion of our study. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for... Uh, Again, your, your great love for us and even giving us your word that we can study. Thank you that uh, you teach us so much through it. Lord, I, I thank you for uh, your Holy Spirit that guides us into all truth, that we can understand what it says. He uh, guided men to, to, to put those exact words on the pages of Scripture, and we then can have the Holy Spirit in us as we read those words and you work so that we understand them well. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us today and challenge us through your word. Help us to be the people you're calling us to be and to be fearless in that call. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, today we're going to start our study in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 1 through 41. And first of all, um, I want you to uh, hear just a little bit of, the, of what, what happened in the first few verses. We're not going to read every part of this. I encourage you always to go back and read because there's a vast amount of scripture. 41 verses is quite a few. So we're gonna, I'm going to have you read um, verses 1 through 17 on your own. But I'm going to share a little bit about that. There was a, there was a, a, a servant of the king named Obadiah uh, at the time. And Obadiah was a guy that was um, concerned about the fact that all of these prophets of God were being killed. And that they were attempting to kill off, kill off all the prophets of God. And so Obadiah t- took upon himself... Uh, the responsibility of helping to protect some of those prophets of God. And he, he actually hid 50 and 50. He hid 100 prophets of God in two different caves. And during that time, um, uh, he, it was a sneaky thing. So Ahab and Jezebel didn't know about it. But yet he was the prophet, or he was, sorry, he was a servant of the king. He was a servant of, of King Ahab. Well, things were really bad with this drought. Things were really bad with this drought. And, and so um, Ahab, the king himself, and Obadiah went out to, to hunt for, for some, some food and some water. And so when they were going out, Obadiah met up with Elijah. They split up. They kind of went different ways to find whatever they were looking for. And Elijah and Obadiah came together. And what happened at this point was that um, Elijah spoke with Obadiah and said, Obadiah, I want you to go and I want you to, 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 get the, to tell the king I want to meet with him. <laughs> Why would you want to meet with the king that's going to kill you in the first place? Well, you see, he was a prophet of God. God had directed him to go and do this and to speak to the king and to do something spectacular. So, he was going to risk something here. He was going to take some risk. And let's, let's, uh, let's read um, as Ahab meets up with Elijah. Um, first of all, Obadiah didn't want to do this. He was like, he's going to kill you, you know. <laughs> this is not going to be good for you, you know. And Elijah's like, do it anyway. Or I mean, uh, yeah, Elijah said, do it anyway. And so here they, here they are getting together. And uh, we're going to start in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 18. So this is where uh, we just heard how Elijah summoned Ahab, and now we're going to read from 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 18. It says, and he answered, I have not troubled Israel. See, he called him the the troubler, Ahab did. He said, is this the great troubler, (laughs) Elijah? And he says, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Wow. He's putting his neck out, isn't he? He's speaking to someone who wants him dead, and he's not afraid to say what God has told him to say. He's not pulling any punches here. He's not beating around the bush. Well, you know, I've been hiding out for a while, and things are, you know, uh, you know, you kind of did some stuff you probably maybe, maybe you shouldn't have done. No. He doesn't, come, he doesn't come to Ahab in this way. He comes very direct because that's what God told him to do. And so he says this, directly to King Ahab. Verse 19 says this, Now therefore, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat 
at Jezebel's table. So these are the people that she has supported. So he says, go get them. Well, Ahab, I guess, could have just said, no, we're going to take you and we're just going to kill you right here and right now. But he doesn't. God provided protection for him as he requested this to happen. You know, sometimes relaying God's word to others can involve risk. This took a lot of risk on the part of Elijah. Sometimes when we share even the good news that Jesus loves us and died for our sins, that we can have a relationship with him and spend eternity with him, even in that, there's risk. We can be shut down. We can be called names. We can, you know, all sorts of things. And people in different countries around the world can even be killed for that. Relaying God's word to others can involve risk. But see, Elijah is an example of someone who was brave, who was bold for God, and was willing to take risk no matter what the cost. As it's St. Patrick's Day today, it reminds me uh, of a story uh, that some of you may know about a king whose name was King Leary. King Leary uh, was some interesting guy. He, he, he really wanted the whole place to only do things exactly the way he said. He was like a high king. He was over, over Ireland at a time when it was hard to kind of gather the clans and, and, uh, and lead this country. So King Leary stated uh, around the time of Easter that there was going to be this special pagan celebration and uh, a big bonfire that was going to be built and only on one particular hill was, was anybody allowed to, to burn a fire? No other fire should be burned, just the one right here where the king was going to be, this giant big bonfire, and that was going to be the only one. He made this proclamation, and everyone knew it. It was at the same time that Patrick was there. He was carrying the good news of the gospel to a, a very pagan country that worshipped so many different gods and goddesses and all sorts of things, and but not the one true God. And so Patrick was sharing the gospel, the good news, with people. And what Patrick did, he went up to this hill called the Hill of Slain. You can go there today. Uh, well, you can't, maybe, but <laughs> if you go to Ireland, there's a hill called the Hill of Slain. And up on this hillside, um, he built a huge bonfire. And he committed himself and committed the country of Ireland to Christ. He wanted to see the gospel spread through Ireland. He wanted to take the message of the gospel. No matter what the king said, he wanted to make sure that he was going to carry the, the light of Jesus Christ into all of Ireland. This was Patrick. So he lights the fire. He lights the fire. His neck was on the line. See, relaying God's word took risk for him, too. His life was on the line because this king wasn't a king that would be trifled with. You would not want to mess with his king, King Leary. Well, King Leary saw the fire. And immediately he, he said to his servants, he said, find out who lit that fire and bring them to me now. He probably said it with an Irish accent. So, off they go, and they bring Patrick 
right to him. So he, Patrick's standing before the king, and he goes, what did you, what, didn't you hear that I said nobody else should be building a fire on this day except to our pagan gods, and right here on this spot only? And Patrick stood firmly and boldly and proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ to King Leary, who was so impressed that he did not bow the knee and did not bend because he was confronted in this way. He was so impressed that he actually gave his blessing, so to speak, for Patrick to go and proclaim this good news all through Ireland. And that's what he did. He went around to village to village sharing the good news of the gospel. He was a bold man. He was a brave man. And he was willing to relay God's word to others even when it involved risk. And we see this now with Elijah in this story. So Elijah um, calls all these people, all the people of Israel, including the prophets of Baal and the Ashtoreths and, uh, Ashtoreths and said, come to Mount Carmel. And so he's going to have a showdown. Maybe you've seen, you know, movies, Wild West movies where there's a showdown at high noon, right? Well, he is going to have a showdown with the prophets of Baal against him and his God. This wasn't just one-on-one or, or man-to-man. He wasn't just going up against one. He was going to go up against one versus 850 false prophets. And everyone was going to be watching. Everybody was going to be there watching what was going to happen. See, speaking the words of God can involve risk. But also, obeying God's word in front of others can involve risk too. Sometimes we are swayed in this world to do things we should never get involved with, should never do. And we know that God's word tells us what we, what we should do or what we shouldn't do because he's, he, he made us, he understands the best things for us, and so he's given us his word so we can understand how to live. But sometimes the world around us doesn't agree with what God's word says, and they say, do it this way. Obeying God's word in front of others can involve risk. Sometimes, you know, if you're in the workplace, you might be asked to do something that lacks integrity. It wouldn't be what God would be calling you to do. But if you say something about that, if you decide that you won't do that because it wouldn't be obedient to God, you're risking a lot. Maybe you'd be risking your job. Sometimes obeying God's word in front of others can involve risk. So here he is at the showdown. What happens at this showdown at Mount Carmel? Let's, let's look at verse 20. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, well, follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. <laughs> they were silent. They were put in their place. They recognized that, that Elijah was bold and brave, and he was speaking truth. They were recognizing that, okay, yeah, we've been kind of faltering. We're supposed to be 
followers of the one true God. And we're not. We're, we're following Baal. Hmm. So he challenges this. And he says, you know, if you're going to follow, if you believe in following the Lord, follow him. Or Baal, follow him. But the people answered not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left, a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. So here's the deal. They have these two sacrifices they're going to make. And what's going to happen? Well, let's see. Then you call on the name of your gods. Okay? So he tells the prophet, you call on your gods. And I will call on the name of the Lord. He's making the name of God famous here. He's proclaiming the very name of the Lord. Jehovah, Yahweh. The people of Israel knew who this was. The one true God. And then he says, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and says, it's well spoken. So this is going to have to be some miraculous thing that's going to happen now. They set it up. He sets it up and he says, okay, we're going to set these two, place, two, two sacrifices up, but we're not going to light it with fire. The one God who, who lights it up without us doing anything, that's the one true God. He sets up something awesome. Something miraculous, but I can't wait because the next part is so exciting. We just got to go on here. <laughs> now, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many, and call in the name of your God, little g, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given them and prepared it and called in the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, oh, Baal, hear us. There was no voice. No one answered. Then they leaped about. They leaped all about the altar that they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he's a god, right? Either he is meditating or, or he's busy or he's on a journey or maybe he's sleeping and has to be awakened. So he's mocking him. Because he's, he's recognizing the fact that these, these guys really believe, they really believe that something's going to happen here because they think that this Baal, little G God, this little idol is going to do something miraculous, is going to bring fire down and start the fire on, on the altar. So they cried aloud and they cut themselves as was their custom, with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. Wow, they're pretty sincere about this, aren't they? They're really sincere about this. They really believe that this is going to help something. This is going to change something. This is going to, well, if, if we do this, I'm sure it's going to be the thing that's going to help things along. And, you know, sometimes we can be sincere, but we can be sincerely wrong. And that's what's happened here. When midday was passed, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Why? Because you can be sincere, but you can be sincerely wrong. And that's exactly what happened. 
They believed, oh, I believe in Baal, they were saying. I believe that Baal can bring down fire in this way. You know, it was just a statue. It was not God, the one true God. So as sincere as they were, no fire was ever going to come down on that altar. You can be sincere, but you can be sincerely wrong. Verse 30, then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar, he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. You see that? The people of Israel had allowed God's altar that was meant to be used for sacrifice to the one true God to fall into disrepair. They weren't worshiping God anymore. They were letting something else draw them away from true worship of the one true God. So Elijah goes over and he begins to repair the altar that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of tribes of the son of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. So the 12 tribes of Israel were represented by these stones. Then with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two seahs of seed. So this is a nice big deep trench around this altar. And I can imagine the people that had gathered around to watch were going, what on earth is he doing? Like I've seen altars built, but what's this trench about? Now, I want you to remember something. Um, as this time is progressing, no water has yet fallen on the earth for years where they were. There was a drought. There was no water. It was dry. It was very hard to find water. So let's remember that when we go into the next section here. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood and said... Fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Okay. So not only is he asking them to, to bring these big water pots, I'm not talking little ones, big water pots filled with water, four of them, and now what's he going to do with them? Okay, everybody have a drink. That's not what he's going to do. He says, pour them out. Pour them on top of the altar. Pour it out on the altar. That's kind of sacrificial giving in a sense, isn't it? He's going to pour out water that's, that's a hot commodity right then out on this altar. Covering the altar, that's covering the, the, the burnt sacrifice and the wood. He wants it covered with water. And he said, do it a second time. Okay, so that's not just four pots. How many is that? Four times two is... Eight, right? And then it says, do it a third time. So three times four is 12, not 16. <clears throat> so it's 12. And so there is 12 big pots of water being dumped all over this thing, covered with water. So they do this. The water ran all around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. Wow. There's a lot of water there. They're probably going, what on earth are you doing? You know, you're, you're, you're going to try to call down fire on this wet, soggy mess. How many of you have ever tried 
to light a fire in the rain. Anybody? It is not easy. I have, to, I have to brag a little. Once I, I took my, my wife out and I made this little fire and had all the tinder in the rainstorm and I thought, I can do this. And I did it. One match. Boom. I felt so good. And I didn't use like fuel or anything. It was just wood and tinder. That was exciting. But that's not this case. In this case, there was no dry tinder. This was soaking wet. This was not a one match light. Not by any stretch. This was covered in water, trench filled with water, and now what happens? Well, don't forget this. Sometimes in Scripture, the, the uh, water uh, symbolizes the Holy Spirit in Scripture. And, and, and when I was reading this, I was thinking, wow, that's kind of neat. You know, water's being poured out, 12 big full pots on the 12 big stones that represent the people of Israel. I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Anyway, moving on. It came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and I have done all these things at your word. Okay, he's not saying, okay, everybody, gather around. Elijah's going to do something spectacular. Come and watch me. That's not what he's saying here. He cries out to God. He asks God to be the one to provide the fire. He's, he cries out the name of the Lord God. He does this boldly. He says, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. He cries out because he wants the people of God to turn back to God, to be rejuvenated, refreshed, and revived so that they know that this is the only God that we should be worshiping. Forget anything else. It's not worth it. This is a bold statement. So Elijah boldly proclaims God's name. He uses God's name. He uses Jehovah. He uses Yahweh. He uses God's name here so that it's clear who he's talking about. The people now know that it's going to be, because they're gathered around and, and they hear him praying this to God. Proclaimed, he proclaimed boldly God's name. He also proclaimed God's pursuit of his people. God hadn't given up on his people. He calls out to them. He calls out to them through his prophet. He calls out, come back. Come to me, throw away your other idols. You don't need all that other junk in your life. You don't need all those things that you've been storing up inside of you, that you've been worshiping all these years. You need God, the one true God. He calls them back. He lets them know God is pursuing you. Folks, God's pursuing you. If you're walked away from the Lord, he wants you to walk with him. He wants you to walk with him because he loves you. You're never too far away. You're never too far down the road. Turn to him. If he calls out to you, turn to God. He proclaimed boldly the pursuit of God's people. He proclaimed God's name. Now what happens? Then, I love this part, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench Folks, that's unbelievable. That is awesome. We serve an awesome God. 
He threw fire from heaven. It wasn't just fire coming out of the ground. It wasn't fire that sprung out of, the, uh, out of the trench. It was from heaven. It came from the sky so that it proved this wasn't just something that was a man-made trick. This was from God alone. It was God alone that made this miracle happen. God can do the miraculous, folks. He's not done yet in this world. He still is working. He is still doing things that show us that he really is God. You can trust him with your life. Elijah did. Elijah trusted God with his life. He put his neck out. It, it could have been that God didn't do that because it wasn't his time to do that, but it was, and Elijah knew it because he was walking with God, being obedient to God, doing what God called him to do, and God protected, and God provided, and God proved faithful once again. The people here get to see God's power. They get to see his presence, the reality of who he is, and they get to see provision how do they see provision? Well, they're going to see it soon. We're not going to get into that part of the, the passage later on. Uh, you should read it on your own. But God brings the water again. He provides for them. But he gets to see, they get to see the power and the presence and the provision of God. Just like we've been saying that God shows himself through all of these wilderness experiences. He will carry you through those wilderness experiences. He will... Show his power and his presence and his provision in your life if you trust him. And once again, God provided and protected and proved faithful. He protected, provided, and proved faithful to his people. God does this. When we are obedient to God, he does this. And you know what? Sometimes when we're disobedient to God, he does this. We don't get the blessings that he would like to give us if we're disobedient to him. But he still protects his people and he provides for his people and he proves faithful. He will never leave you nor forsake you. We talked about that last week. Once you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you believe that God sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross for your sins. And you say, I believe this. I need you in my life, God. I need you to clean me up. I need you. I sin. I, I, I blew it. I need you. I need a Savior. It's at that point that, God, you are a child of God. You are his child, and he loves to protect his children. He loves to provide for his children, and he loves to prove faithful to his children. And what happens next? Now, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord... He is God. The Lord, He is God. They were just filled with awe. As you would have been too if you were standing there when fire came from heaven and licked up everything, the dust, the stones, the wood, the sacrifice, the water. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. This moved the people to awe-inspired worship. When was the last time you were filled with the awe of God in your life where you said, God, you are amazing. You are awesome. We so easily forget God's blessing. We so easily forget what he's done for us, what he's brought us from, what he's kept us from, what he's helped us through. When we stop and we realize that this awesome, huge, unbelievably powerful God 
loves us as individuals, loves us personally, it moves our hearts to awe-inspired worship. Do you know God like that? Are you moved to awe-inspired worship like that? Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal, do not let one of them escape. So they recognized, or they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and executed them there. Let's remember that these gods that they were leading the people of Israel to were gods that were asking for their children to sacrifice. These guys needed to be wiped out. And this is what happened. Because God commanded him to do this. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. This is that provision. It's coming. There's going to be rain. The drought is going to be over. The drought is going to be over. And I love the next passage where he, we get to hear God, uh, Elijah's prayer pouring out his heart to God in belief that God will do what he said he would do and provide for the needs of his people now that the people have turned back to him and said, the Lord, he is God. So the question is, what about us? We always say this, right? This is every week you'll see this. What about us? This is practical stuff, folks. In our world today, we might face a lot of things similar to what Elijah faced Maybe you're in a showdown. Maybe you're in a showdown with Satan the enemy, right? Maybe he's trying to scare you and beat you down so you don't obey God, you don't follow him. Maybe you're in a showdown with your understanding of how you should be living in this world today, being obedient to the Lord. Maybe you're standing there feeling like you're all alone. Elijah, he said he was alone. Was he? No way. Who was with him? God was with him. God was with Elijah. God was with him. Even when you feel alone and you're standing there in a showdown against the world, basically, when everyone else is saying, this is the best thing for you, and you realize, no, it isn't actually the best thing for me, and you're standing there feeling alone, guess who's going to be standing there with you if you've given your life to Christ God is standing with you. The Holy Spirit is living in you. You have the power to stand boldly against the enemy. Are you in a showdown? <laughs> See, relaying God's word to others can involve risk. Some of you are scared to death. You don't want to share the gospel. You don't want to tell people about the good news of what Jesus did for us, about your awesome God that we just talked about. You don't want to say that to anybody. I might offend someone. What if they don't believe that? Well, I wouldn't want to say it. I don't want to try to... If we have truth, we've got to share it, folks. Relaying God's word to others can involve risk. And obeying God's word in front of others can involve risk. Are you willing? Are you willing to stand strong? Remembering that God is with you. Remember that God is the one who will give you victory. God is the one who will give you victory. If this is for his glory, if what you're doing is for his honor, for his glory, and not so that you can say, look at what I did. Look at my goodness. No, it's to point to him. 
and say, he gives me the strength to do this. I can't do it on my own. He is the awesome power in my life that helps transform and change me from the inside out. He gets the glory. I don't. And he'll give you victory over these things when you stand in this showdown. So where is your heart? Where is your heart? When you consider the verse, uh, verse 21 in, in uh, 1 Kings 18 that we just read earlier, Elijah said to all the people, and he said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. Fail, follow him. Folks, we know who God is. Do we falter between the stuff of this world that we make idols for us that we set up and we'll sacrifice it all to get that thing, to get whatever it is? We will sacrifice it to that stuff. We're willing to do that so often. Are we ready to say, enough of this? There's one true God and I'm going to follow him. And any sacrifice I make is going to be for him and not for anything else. Where's your heart? Where's your heart? Who are you following? If you're following God, if you're following God, are you looking for ways to give him glory? Are you looking for ways to invite others to him? I hope you're looking for ways to say, my God is amazing. You just, you got to hear what he just did. My God is amazing. You've got to hear what just happened because of him and because of him working in me. Share his glory and invite others to him. If you're following something else, some of those other idols, some of those other things in life, recognize who God is. Stand in awe of him. Recognize who God is. Repent. Repent. That's turn away from those idols and say, I'm going to follow God now. I'm done with this stuff. Turn from it and turn to God. Repent. And run to him. Run to him. His arms are open. His arms are waiting for you. He wants to stand with you in the showdown of life. Are you willing to give your life to him? When we stand with him and he moves in us and he shows him, shows his awe-inspiring power, it moves us to worship. It moves us to worship. We're going to close the service today with worship. <laughs> We're going to close by, by singing um, a final song. And if you'll, if you'll stand... Uh, now, we're just going to close with this, this last song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Everything we do is on a foundation of Jesus Christ. What he's done for us, who he is, we stand in awe of this solid rock, Jesus Christ. Let's sing. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, 
All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All 